sometimes we just need a fresh set of eyes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we need somebody to come in that just has a little bit different perspective than we do. And the reason for that is because we're prone, right? We're, we're prone to being comfortable. We're prone to just kind of getting used to our, our surroundings. I remember when I first came to the church uh, very early on, there's some things, I, people thought I was crazy. I was like, but the banner is torn here and, and these materials have been here for like 12 years, and, 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 you know, that happens in our lives, too. I mean, think about your house, right? You've got some place probably near a door somewhere where the mail collects, right? And in and, and the days that you're busy, you just don't think, and you just throw the mail there, and you throw the mail there, and you throw them. For you, it's like this giant pile of junk, really. I mean, the majority of it, when you do go through it, you're going you're gonna to throw it away. You know, maybe it's your coffee table, your end table, and it's that pile of magazines or articles that you're going to read or the pile of books that you're working through, and, and they're either there or they're under there. You know, I mean, it's just all around. It's that, that drawer in your kitchen that is the catch-all for everything that doesn't have another place. And, and it's just grown. And, it's kind of, and, and if we were to invite somebody else into our lives with a different perspective, we were going to pick up the phone and call a maid to come over, there's all kinds of things that we've just gotten used to, the vitamins being out on the counter or, 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 or all the coffee stuff being... But somebody else would come in and go, wow, that's, there's some clutter here. We, we need to do something about this. Sometimes we just need a fresh set of eyes. And something similar is going on um, with the Jews. They've gotten really comfortable with their surroundings. Two groups have returned to Jerusalem now, and the temple has been rebuilt, but their lives are still a mess. And God's going to send a new set of eyes to survey what's going on in Jerusalem and do something about the conditions that they see. And his name is going to be Nehemiah. Uh, If you're in your Bible, I'm in Nehemiah um, chapter 1. Going to be reading one through four. If you've got your copy of the story this morning, it's on page 294. Page 294. If you're in your Bible, it's Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. If you're in the story, it's the very bottom of 294, leading to page 295. And it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the city, uh, or in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Uh, Then he's going to continue that prayer and say to the Lord, would you give me strength to go to the king? Now, Nehemiah is in an interesting position. He's the cupbearer. That's like the most trusted person in the kingdom, really. He's going to make sure the king doesn't get poisoned. He's the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Now, Artaxerxes is the son of King Xerxes, the guy that Esther, whom we studied last week, this is the guy that Esther marries, becomes his queen. Now, now we don't think this is her child, but this is one of his children, is now reigning on the throne. And so Nehemiah has a very special place with the king. And so when he goes before the king, and, and he's troubled deeply about his hometown, about Jerusalem, about the ruin that is there, uh, the king can see it on him. And so, Nehemiah, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with you? There's something about you that's different. And so Nehemiah I just says, well, I, I, I'm troubled because my hometown, I mean, it lies in ruins and the gates are destroyed and, 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 and the walls have been burned down and the people are in trouble. 
And the king, uh, Artaxerxes, loves Nehemiah so much, he says, well, go fix it. Go fix it. I'm going to send you back. I'll send you with people. I'll send you with supplies. Just go back and do something. And Nehemiah is going to go home, and he's going to lead the people in a, in a building effort like nobody's ever seen before. And in 52 days, the gates and the walls will be completely restored. It is an amazing story. It's an amazing story. Now, if you kept up with your reading, how many of you, you did your reading this week? Come on. All right. Anybody listen to it instead of read it? Uh-huh. See, that's a good, useful tool there, right? Listen to it instead. And so uh, you guys read this entire story of the rebuilding. You also read a little bit um, out of the book of Malachi, which is the last thing that God is, that's the last word God is going to speak to his people um, for 400 years until the next phase of his redemptive plan is set into motion. Uh, this morning, I'm going I'm to focus our efforts on this thought of rebuilding. And I'm going to focus our efforts on this thought of rebuilding because the, the, the course that Nehemiah takes in physically rebuilding the walls is, is, is something that applies to all of us um, spiritually when we talk about our spiritual lives. And so that, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about how this applies to our own spiritual lives and our need to make sure that our walls, that our defenses are in order, okay? So uh, a few things that I want to talk about. Now, now some of you... Um, you know, and I want to say this, this is different from returning. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about coming home, we talked about returning, and, and this is different. Some, some people never left, they never experienced the whole prodigal moment. God bless you. I mean, God bless you. I, we need more people like you in the world. Um, but this isn't so much about whether we've gone or whether we strayed. Uh, what I'm going to talk to you about is, is how we get comfortable with things not being right. We get comfortable with things not being right in our life. The Jews were, were here for a period of time. The temple has already been rebuilt, but the walls and the gates lie in ruin, and they've become comfortable. And I fear, my friends, that many of us, uh, th- that this is our story too. We've just kind of gotten comfortable with where things are in our lives spiritually, and I do not believe that is God's will for us. So this morning, I want to talk about this theme of rebuilding. And and we need to start here, guys. As we follow this story of Nehemiah, we realize before we can rebuild our spiritual lives, we have to realize the extent of the damage. Before we can rebuild our spiritual lives, we have to realize the extent of the damage, right? When Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem, uh, the first thing he he does there in the night is he gets on his horse and he he goes around the entire exterior of Jerusalem. He literally inspects every single area of the wall. He inspects every area. This is an honest assessment of the damage that has been done. The Jews have been there for some time, right? They evidently don't see it anymore. But God sends Nehemiah with a fresh set of eyes. What I'm going to submit to you is, friends, that's probably what we need in our lives as well. And and whether that's inviting a godly friend into our lives and giving them permission to speak truth into us. Hey, I want you to look at my life. I want you to be honest with me. Like, what, what, what do you see? Do you, do you see that I'm losing my temper more often than I used to? Do you see me reading my Bible or, or praying with people? Do you see me giving generously? I mean, so maybe it's inviting that, that person in, but it may just be inviting the Holy Spirit of God in. To say, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me a fresh set of eyes. I, I need you to help me um, take an honest assessment of my spiritual condition. And, and if we do something like that, then we're going to ask questions of ourselves like, um, am I regularly reading my Bible? Right? And, and then here's the kicker behind that. Am I actually enjoying it? 
Right? Am I doing it to check a, li- check a box off a list? Well, well, okay, I've done that today. But, but am I getting anything out of it? it? Is the word transforming me? When I read the Bible, is it reading me back? Right? How is my prayer life? Do I turn to God first in every situation? Or is he my last resort? Right? Do I, do I pray without ceasing, as the Bible says? Or am I merely praying for my meals? That doesn't count. When you say, I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, that's the, I, I, I love you guys, but we got, we got to move on beyond asking God to bless our meals. We just have to, right? I mean, oh, Lord, bless, bless this mess. You're eating Cheetos, man. God's not going to bless that, right? I mean, I, mean, I mean, the gravy on top of everything. And oh, just, Lord, I know this is a cholesterol mess, but just make my heart healthy. We've got to move beyond praying about food. That's one thing to thank him. God, thank you for your mighty provision in my life and the fact that we have food on our table. That's okay. That's okay. But how's my prayer life? Is, is God first? Do I turn to him first? Am I praying about more than just food, right? What about worship? Is worship a priority in my life, God? I, I mean, personal worship, not just showing. I mean, corporate should be on the list. I mean, is church on your calendar? If church is not in your planner, if you're not reminded every Sunday to get your butt out of bed and get into the house of God wherever you're at, and, and worship God, something's wrong, right? But what about personally? Do you worship God uh, during the week in your car, uh, at home? I, I, mean, I mean, do you have private moments of worship with your family? How am I dealing uh, with temptations? How am I dealing with temptations in my life? We don't like to talk about that one, do we, Christians? <laughs> How am I dealing with temptations in my life? God says that I'll never be tempted in a way that he doesn't provide a way out. God, am I seeing the ways out? Am, am I failing here? Lord, I'm, I'm, is there any sin in my life? Am I a person that regularly confesses my sin to you? What about community? Am I known by other brothers and sisters in the Lord? Do I belong to a body of, of believers? Am I allowing people to really know me, to see my struggles? What about money? Do I view money as mine? Or how do you view all of it as God's? It's a, big, it's a big issue, right? Am I tithing? Am I giving to those in need? What about serving? Am I using the gifts that you have given me, God, to build up your kingdom? Or am I using them to finish my house? Right, we just studied that just back a couple weeks ago. But what, what am I doing with all that you've given me Okay, what about rest? Lord, am I making margin in my life so that I can have a Sabbath, as you talked about, a day of rest somewhere, some margin for you to restore and refresh my physical body so that my spiritual body can continue to thrive? Like, those are questions that we have to ask ourselves. What about rest? Um, If if you're one of those people that you don't ask yourselves questions well, um, there is somebody that's written these questions out for you, these kind of things. I didn't steal uh, hers, but it's a really good book. There's a slide up here. Uh, It's called Taking Your Spiritual Pulse by Claire Musters. I've had this book in my library for, uh, I don't know, probably 10 years. And uh, it's even got a little survey in the front where you can just bubble in yes or no questions in in a bunch of different areas of discipline in your life. And it'll tell you, like, what areas... I I warn you, by the way, if you take it, you may not be happy with the walls. Uh, You may see that some of them are not as in great a shape as you thought. But it is worth the effort. And so I'm just going to tell you, we we have to start here when it comes to rebuilding. 
Uh, before we can rebuild, we have to realize the extent of the damage. Okay, that's step one, honest assessment. Step two is, uh, is this, really, that we understand that rebuilding will be impossible without prayer. When, when you take an honest assessment and you see that there's stuff in your life that's not right, um, the very next place you need to turn is to God, okay? So, so I'm, I'm just going to say this, ready? Um, spiritual building takes the Spirit of God. That should be common sense, but you would be surprised. Spiritual building takes the spirit of God, plain and simple. Psalm 127.1 says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And friends, I, I love you, but I know a whole lot of Christian brothers and sisters that labor in vain. And, 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 and it's, it's not that they don't see their condition, they want to change things spiritually, but they think that they can come up with a really wise way to do it on their own. And they try to build all their own defense mechanisms in their life to stop the, the, the devil's schemes, and they've, all, they've done it all without prayer. And, and what I want to tell you is just don't waste your time. I, I, I hate to say that as a pastor, don't waste your time trying to rebuild your life. If you're, but, but I mean that. If you're not going to pray, don't, don't waste your time. If you're not going to invite the Holy Spirit into your deeply damaged places then I would just encourage you, save, save your time, energy, and effort, right? Because what happens when prayerless people try to build defenses against a powerful enemy that is prowling about like a lion trying to devour them, it doesn't end well, right? It's like my daughter and I'm reading the story of the three little pigs. Like It ain't gonna end well for the sticks and the straw. And, and we as Christians, we do this all the time. Like, I'm struggling with lust, so I'm just, I'm gonna put on an internet thing, or I'm gonna call a guy, or I'm gonna do this. Ladies, I'm, I'm struggling with gossip, so I'm just, I'm just not gonna talk to my friends. It's a terrible mechanism. God may lead you to that eventually, but if you don't pray first, it doesn't end well. It ends in heartache and tragedy when all of our earthly methods and manners are laid to waste. And, and we watch all of our work just collapse, as Jesus says, as the foolish builders that have built on the sand. Ooh. So if you're not going to pray, if you're not going to let the Lord oversee the building project, I would just say, I guess skip it. I know that sounds terrible, but that's where we start. Honest assessment, bathed in prayer. Okay, prayer is powerful. Here's the third thing, okay? Third thing we see, Nehemiah, right? By the way, Nehemiah prayed first. I'm not making this stuff up. First thing he hears, he prays, right? So number three, uh, rebuilding will require the word of God in hand and in heart. Rebuilding is going to require the word of God in hand and in heart. So Nehemiah prayed and he posted guard. I'm going I'm to speak that again. <laughs> Nehemiah prayed and he posted guard. He worked and he weaponized. Because I'm speaking to two different people. I got some people here that you realize that your life needs work and you run out without the Holy Spirit and try to fix it yourself. It ends in ruins. I've got another group of people here that you realize your life is in ruins. You pray and then you never do anything about it. Just say, okay, God, I just need you to fix this. Just make me better. Just, just, just don't tempt me anymore, Lord. Just, just keep me. And that's great because he's got more power than you do. But, but if you don't weaponize yourself, that's a problem. And Nehemiah did both. He, he prayed and he posted guard. He worked and he weaponized with spears and swords. He knew that, that defense was necessary for an enemy that loved to attack the defenseless. And so they worked. Literally, with a sword in hand, the text says. 
Friends, you may feel defenseless in the world. I know it. You may feel like the enemy is so strong. And there's just nothing that you can do that his power is just too great. But I want to remind you of the power that you possess in this one-of-a-kind living book. This one-of-a-kind living book is our weapon. Your Bible, the Word of God, is a sword in hand. It is a sword in hand, and it says it is a sword in heart. And we must work diligently to rebuild our spiritual lives, our defenses. But as we do, we better have the Word of God. We better have the Word of God in hand and in heart. It is a weapon. And uh, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, the Word of God is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And that really means two things. One, it means it's sharp enough to cut through the lies and the schemes of the devil. But two, it means that the word of God is actually sharp enough to cut through the hardened, callous hearts of the believer. Wow. Wow. Do you see the need for that? We're talking about spiritually rebuilding our lives, and we've become callous to our situation, to our habits. We're going to need something sharp enough to get in there and get us out of our rut, to get us out of that thing we're stuck in. And we have such a weapon in the Bible. We'll talk about how to use it here in a little bit, okay? That's the third thing. Rebuilding is going to require the Word of God in hand and in heart. We've got to pray and postcard, work and weaponize uh, for Rebuilding must be focused and intense work. Rebuilding must be focused and intense work. We often talk about the Christian life being a marathon, but rebuilding is a sprint. I'm going to say that again. We often talk about the Christian life being a marathon, and that is very much true, but rebuilding our defenses must be a sprint. 52 days is what it took. 52 days is what it took to complete the walls and the gates around Jerusalem. And as the enemy rose up, what did they do? What did Nehemiah do? Do you remember reading this? He focused his efforts in the low spots, right? He actually assigned families to stand in the low places of the wall. And I couldn't help but think this week, like, are we doing this, right? Do we have families that are standing in the gap for our children's ministry? Do we have families that are standing in the gap for our youth ministry? Do we have families that are standing in the gap for, for our widows? And we, we have several lately. Do we have people standing in the gap right now for our cancer patients? Do we have people that are standing in the gap for our pastors? Do we have people standing in the gap for our deacons? And, and that's just as a collective body. What about your life? You've got to get some prayer warriors on board with your rebuilding plan. You've got to reach out to some godly folks and say, listen, God has told me that my spiritual defenses are down. I'm going to make an effort to, to pour myself into this over the next couple months. But I need you to get in my face. I need you to get on the phone. I need you to call me consistently and ask me, am I doing the things that God has instructed me to do? And and when I'm going to struggle, I need you to stand in my low places and help me post guard. Man, they do it with vigor. They get after it with intensity like we cannot even imagine I don't know what struck you, but I literally wrote in the margin. Uh, there was one little verse that said, they did it, the work with all of their heart. This was no half-hearted affair. Listen, you want your spiritual life right? 
I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't. There's a word I want to say that my grandmother would say, but I can't say in church. You, you can't um, halfway it. <laughs> How's that? It's about as good as I can do. You can, ooh, I can hear her saying it right now. You cannot halfway it. And I fear that that is how we approach it all too often. It reminded me of how Dave Ramsey encourages people to attack debt with laser focus and intensity. A laser focus and intensity that we rarely talk about in church. Nehemiah and the people had a belief. This is, this is core. They had a belief that if they did not do something immediately, they were going to die. Can I ask you a question? When is the last time you felt that way about your sin? God, if I don't do something right now, I'm going to die. My life is going to be in ruin. If I don't do something now, God, I feel like I'm going to perish. Like everything I've done is going to mean nothing. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you don't get to that point, you will never rebuild your life. If you don't get to that gut-wrenching, honest truth, like, if I don't make changes now, God, I will never be the person you're calling me to be. My life will always lie in ruins. If you don't get there, you'll never have the all-your-heart intensity that it takes to do this kind of work. It's a fourth thing. Focus and intensity. Here's the last part. Because it is possible, by the way. Come to church sometimes, you go, ah, I can't do that, I'm out. I'm just going to settle for ho-hum. Here's the last thing. This is what it should result in. Rebuilding should result in worship. Ezra and Nehemiah, the people, uh, when the walls were rebuilt, had a reading, a whole, whole book of the law, right? Had a big celebration, uh, Celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacles, a whole week of worship. And what they were doing was, was giving God the credit. They were giving God the credit. And, and, and guys, this is huge. We need to do the same, right? I mean, when we finally get back in the Word of God, we shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I'm doing so good. Pat myself on the back, I'm doing great. Telling our friends, man, I tell, my, my quiet time has been so good lately. I just, I've been so consistent. Yeah, you have because of God, Right? Because somebody grabbed your sinful heart and said, beat again. That's where the glory goes. Like God wrecked me. He ruined me. And I have no other choice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the truth of the matter. I feel like I'm going to die if I get up in the morning and don't spend time with him. That, that's where I am. That's where God is putting me now. I mean, that's the, that's the way you want to talk to your friends, right? When, when we talk about serving again. Well, you know, I, I, I decided to jump back in and help out with the kids finally at church. Well, that's awesome. We needed that two years ago, but God bless you. Thank you for doing what the Bible calls you to do. What God has given you gifts for, right? We don't do it for our glory. We don't do it for crowns and uh, for stars and ark. We, we do it because God is so gracious and so good. How can we not serve him? And get this, how can we not serve him anywhere there is a need? Not just where I want. Been doing ministry for almost 18 years now. I've kind of been all over the map. I've done a little bit of all of it. I'm, I'm always astounded at, at good, God-loving people uh, and their excuses. I mean, I mean, people, people I love and respect. Just, ah, I just don't feel like God's calling me. 
to serve in a hole in the church. Just not my giftedness. Sorry, is your heart beating? Is there breath in your lungs? Does God call you his child? Has he instructed you to build his kingdom? You serve anywhere you need to serve until the right person comes along with a passion that sees it as a calling. Meanwhile, you serve. And you, and you do it not begrudgingly, not, well, I got it, the pastor said, I got it. You do it, you do it because you love God, right? I, I, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't still be in ministry if it weren't for the love of God. It, it, I, I mean, it's not worth it. I'm just being honest with you. Like, it just, I mean, if it weren't for the love of God, and, and it means, that, you know what, you, you, you clean toilets some days, right, Alan? I mean, some days you show up, and, and the first thing you do when you walk in the building is you sweep a floor. That's what it means. I, I mean, this morning I, I had out, had out uh, Clorox wipes because somebody had spilled coffee all over a wall and had just been there for, I don't know, three weeks. Somebody ought to clean it. Let's, let's get this off the wall. I, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. Just we're the body of Christ. And so we serve, and we give God the glory for it. And it's an act of worship. I don't know about you, but I love to worship. And we should love to serve. We give God the glory in everything that we do. Okay, so let's take this home. I want to unpack it for you. Um, first and foremost, I want to challenge you to take an honest assessment of your spiritual condition this week. This week. Okay, it's homework for this week. Next week, you'll have different homework. You put this off, it's never going to get done. I want you to take an honest assessment of your spiritual condition this week. I want, to, I want you to try to do that. Now, for some of you, that means you've got to have Amazon Prime because you're going to want to try to order the book, and that's fine, okay? Spiritual polls, taking your spiritual polls, clear musters. Uh, you can go back and listen to that online, and you get all that information, okay? Uh, but some of you, Amazon Prime, you'll have it in your hand. But I'll just tell you, you don't have to... And by the way, the book's only seven ninety nine. okay? It's not going to bankrupt you. Uh, but you don't need the book. All the questions we asked earlier, right? God, I mean... How's my love for you, Lord? Honestly, do I love you more today than I've ever loved you? The answer that's no, that's a problem. God, do I love people today better than I've ever loved people before? How's my prayer life? How's, how's my giving? How's my, I mean, you just walk through, Lord, every area of my life. I mean, how, how am I dealing with temptations? That's a big deal. And, and you just have to attack that. How are my eyes? Am I guarding my mind? Am I, I mean, what, what am I doing? Have I got swept up into the politics of, of America? Or am I focused on the kingdom of God? These, these are questions of great importance. And so you take an honest assessment, okay? Uh, the second step is you just have to pray. Say, why? Think of it this way. If your home were flooded, uh, we, we had a problem here in the church not long ago. Had, a, had a, that whole sewer backup thing. Affected all kinds of stuff. We thought it was just kind of on the low end. But we had to call in people and they checked. And, and it had made walls get wet it hit i mean it, it, we caught it early but you know what we had to do we had to submit a claim we had to come in and assess the damage how bad is it really where all did it get to what is it going to take to be healthy and then we had to submit a claim to our insurance company christians you need to take an honest assessment and then you need to submit the damage claim to god you, you need to say hey god I, I i i don't have the funds to do this I don't have the spiritual clout to make these changes. There's no way that I can fix my, my marriage and, and my job and, and, and my relationships. Uh, there's no way that I can get in the Word again and, and, and fix my prayer life. And do, I mean, because when you take the assessment, you may find like it is utter, there's rubble everywhere. And you go, there's no way. I cannot do that. And this is why we submit the claim to God. 
God, okay, here it is. Like, it ain't pretty, but, but there you go. There you go, God. I'm going to submit my claim to you. I need help. Step three. You have to find out what the Bible says about these areas of your life. What is the standard? By the way, um, that's, that's kind of, we use the word canon, the canon of Scripture. That's the standard. What does the standard say? What is the standard of a Christian's prayer life? What should it look like? What is, what is the Christian standard of marriage and the husband's role or the wife's role? What, what, is, what is the standard for devotion to God? What is, what is the standard? And so we turn to the Bible, we ask those questions, we research the standard. What does the Bible say about dealing with temptations, about prayer, about the need for rest? What does it say? So we dive in, we go to the source, and we get a picture of what the finished product looks like. It's really, really important. So we've got to have the word of God in hand and in heart. Uh, four, this is the part we're not real good at. Then we have to work as if our lives depended on it. Because you know what? Your legacy does. You've got to work as if your life depended on it because your legacy does. Listen, life is hard. Can, I, can we just say that right now? Can we just stop acting like it's all supposed to be easy and glorious? The prosperity gospel is a lie. The thing that tells you that, that if, if, if you're in the will of God, everything's going to be blessed and easy and great, and you're going to have money and health and wealth, that's junk. That's not in the scripture. The blessing of God doesn't mean all of those things. It means that you've got God in the midst of the mess. And that God comes into the mess, he invades the mess, and he helps you rebuild so that it glorifies him. That's, that's all that it means. That's the heart of the gospel. And some people say, but, but life is hard, right? And I'm going through this thing right now, and this thing in my life isn't easy. Say, so God bless you. Then God is calling you unto himself. Then you get to do it his way and not your way. I, I don't know. I, I have radically changed how I think about difficulty in my life in the last few years. I need God more today than I ever have. So you invite in the hurt and say, okay, Lord, you're just reminding me again to turn to the right thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And thank you that you're bringing me back to yourself. I don't want to be me. I want to be be your version of me. So we work hard. Can I just be real honest? Okay, I just want to be honest. Just honest. Don't raise your hands. It's not one of those questions. This is one you answer in your heart. Are you honestly working as hard at being a child of God as you are at everything else you do? As you are at your job? As you are at recreation? As you are at entertainment? As you are at anything else? Sadly, I I think the answer for most of us is no. That's problematic. So if we're going to be the people of God, if we're going to be the church of God, if we're going to be the light of God in a dark world, we have to be the people of God. We've, we've, got, to, we've got to look like our Savior. We've, we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to be different. Our priorities just have to be different. And I'm just going to tell you, some of you have things in your life that you've been trying to ignore for years, and you cannot ignore them. You cannot ignore those things anymore. You have to. Get into those things and start dealing with them as if your life depended on Because I promise you, your legacy does. Your legacy does. Lastly, um, 
We need to give thanks to God. There should probably be six or seven things on here, not five. Standing in the low spots, all those other points. I think the whole message is really application. This is our challenge. This is our call. Okay? Can we do number two on that list? I think God might have done number one for some of us this morning. So can we do number two? Can we just turn to God now, thinking already? Now, the assessment's not done, folks. It didn't happen in this short period of time. God bless you, but that's not how it works. It's got to be more detailed than what the Holy Spirit has already pointed out. But you know some things already need work. So can we start? Let's, let's submit a claim to him right now, okay? So Alan's going to just come on up, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to, just where you are, in a spirit of prayer, I just want you to bow your hearts before the Lord, and I just want you, the damaged places you know that exist right now in your heart, I just want you to, I want you to just confess it to God. Just say, God, I see it. I haven't seen it in some time. And what he's showing you, he's showing there's a lot of work to be done. Okay? But he's already pointed out a couple low spots. And Lord, I appreciate it. <laughs> I agree with it. I know that it's there. And, and I'm going to invite you not, not just to work in these areas, but I, help me see all of the places that need work, okay? We're just going to have a moment of prayer right here in response to God's word and the lessons we learned from Nehemiah. Just bow your hearts. Bow your heads right before the Lord. God, yes, I agree. Thank you for letting me see that. It hurts. I'm not happy, but thank you. I need help. I don't have the spiritual clout to deal with this claim. God, I need you. every head bowed, every eye closed, I, I'd like to close by praying for you. But I'd just like to know who, uh, this morning, God's already spoken in your heart. I got work to do, and I know that I'm going to need help. Just raise your hand. I, 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 know, I know there is stuff that is not where it needs to be. I need to work. I need some help. Just raise your hand. Just keep it up so I can kind of see face. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm looking because I'm going to try to pray for you this week. So I'm not writing anything down. Just in my heart trying to remember. Okay, you can put your hands down. Father, um, you're really good. Better than we deserve. And we probably don't deserve you speaking to us like you did this morning. But you are gracious. God, thank you for lovingly pointing out what maybe we have just, um, like the Jews, gotten comfortable with. Thank you for raising the standard here today. Let us get a glimpse of your ideal. 
God, give us the courage as we leave this place to do a full, honest assessment, to submit the claim to you, and to start working as if our lives depended on it. In Jesus' name, amen.